This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. Yeah, IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com forward slash B. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for FlexBlocks. Win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Yeah, make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com slash BE. Come on out to FETC 2017 and learn what we've, how we've programmed for everybody in IT and education. On today's show, we'll have an encore presentation of the interview with Bruce Umstead. We'll talk about Adobe's Voco voice editing program. We'll have the Google Tip of the Week, our featured artist, and more. Stay tuned. Edutech Guys Radio, radio.edutechguys.com. The opinions expressed on the site and programs are those of participants and not intended to and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any specific educational entity, sponsor, company, state, or government agency. Hello and welcome to EduTech Guys Radio, brought to you by Southwest Arkansas Education Cooperative and Hope Public Schools, both located in Hope, Arkansas. I'm Dave. Hey, I'm Jeff. There you go. What's We're, with the shortened names? You know, it's going to be informal. You know, hey, if you don't know me by now. There you go. See, look at that. There it is. Little harmony. <laughs> little. That's what we have. <laughs> that we have. Never bugs. We're like little, little, little bit of harmony. Little, little bit of harmony. Never bugs. <laughs> that's from the that's from the wonderful Peter Pan hook with Robin Williams. If oh. you haven't seen it, that's one. There you go. I, know, that, I thought boy, we were doing like an ebony and ivory. Thing. Got way off topic on that one, didn't we? Ebony. It happens. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. So yeah, hey, today on the day show, uh, thank, first of all, thanks for listening. Catch us on the web, www.edutechguys.com. Go out to social media. Just go to Google, type in Edutech Guys, you'll find us. If you go to a social media site and after.com slash put Edutech Guys, we'll probably be there. And if we're not there, let us know and we'll get there. Unless it's just an inappropriate site, then we're not doing it. So. Oh, that, that is a good point, yeah. <laughs> Although we the, might be edutech guys in inappropriate uh, sense. We, we, we might be. <laughs> we we probably a, should be. <laughs> there's another edutech guys out there spelled completely different. Oh, that's so. true. There could be. <laughs> I don't even know how that works. <laughs> but yeah, hey, check us out on the web. Uh, you can go to the main site, drop to the bottom of the page, fill out a form. Let us know what you think of the show, what you don't think of the show, what you think of us, anything you want to put on there. there you go. <laughs> that's right. Also catch us at hashtag ETG chat. And that's a great way to get in touch with us and let us know what you're thinking. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so one of the things that, um, I don't know, it, it's it's so funny what happens in technology sometimes where something something comes out and it catches fire and everybody's talking about it right then. And then other things come out 
And it takes a while for it to, I don't know, kind of develop or depending on your opinion, fester before it pops open and the world's like, did you see this? Did you hear about that? So that's one of the things that we're talking about today. And that is Adobe's Voco voice recognition editing software. So we have sound editors, right? You have things like um, Audacity or GarageBand. Garage yeah, yeah, exactly. Pro Tools, all the big stuff. Yes, yeah. exactly. And so you can go in and you can edit files. And, and there are some very, very good editors who could take a string of things that you've said and piece them together and make it sound kind of like... the pitch and the timbre yeah. and make it sound like you said it. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, well now, Adobe is working on software. It's not available yet. Let's be clear about that. Okay, it's not out there for the general public yet. But they have developed software that after the speaker puts in about 20 minutes worth of uh, speech, uh, I'm assuming, I, I don't know if there's like a set paragraph oh, uh, that the person has to read. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know if it's something like that. Yeah. Or if it's just a casual, hey, we can take about 20 minutes of anything you've ever said and drop it into this program. It learns your inflection. It learns your vocals and then cuts it up into all the phonemes. Uh, which are the bits of sound that we make when we form words, it breaks all those down. And then when you type in the words you want the program to say, it says them in your voice. Oh, my goodness. You know, this is kind of Tom Cruise Mission Impossible stuff. Remember when he had the face carved yes. and then he put the thing on his neck and he sounded like the dude? Because he got him recorded, you know, saying yes, stuff? Yes, So Adobe's been thinking about this for some time. Uh, they've been thinking why, about it. Why would you need that? Uh, you know, my guess is, uh, I don't know. I, I really don't. I don't know what, the, and, and here's the thing. Adobe is just now, now actually they showed this off back in November uh, 2016. And for whatever reason, and, and, and I will tell you, uh, it, cre it created a stir at the time, but for whatever reason, it just seems to be coming to a head. I guess, you know, the world's kind of waking up after Christmas and going, hey, did you see this? What is this? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> After the Thanksgiving has digested and then the Christmas has digested, everybody's coming out of their, uh, uh, what is that, uh, that, that? Turkey coma. Yes. And I was trying to think of the big fancy Nicotine. word. Nicotine. <laughs> no, no that, that, that's trip not to pan. it. Trip to pan. Coming out of their trip to pan comas and going, holy crap, Adobe's doing what? Um, I'm sorry, that just put my brain a whole other place. I need a trip to pan patch. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> so, What's Jeff oh, doing? He's asleep. Okay. He's got he's, two trip to pan patches. He's got on. the patch. Um, I'm assuming, and again, I'm assuming, so I, I don't know this, but I'm assuming that this is a project that Adobe has been working on. And my guess is there are certain government and or military organizations who have already been playing with this, using this well, in yeah, some Tom way. Cruise used it in Mission Impossible. That stuff is real, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here, have another patch. Um, Hold on just a second. My bunny Harvey's talking to me. Yes, yes. go ahead. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so... So it was basically revealed to the public that this is something they've been working on. So, yeah, ultimately, it goes back to the question you just asked, though. Why? Why are we doing this? Why are they doing this? Why create software? And and they are really pitching it as Photoshop for audio. Oh, that's really wild. Uh, you know, and it, it's funny to me, you look at how much trouble people have gotten into because of Photoshop. And and it's and I happen to be uh, I've read a few things on um, Reddit, which is a good place to read things. If I'm going to read it, Reddit, I read it. So there you <laughs> go. Um, and and there were several comments and, and threads through there through the discussion about Voco, 
and a couple of people said, yeah, but you can look at a, you can look at an image and you can tell if it's uh, photoshopped or not. Oh, generally speaking, well, I won't even say generally speaking. In some cases, yes, it's it's obvious where the Photoshop comes in. In other cases, though, it's dang near impossible to figure oh, out yeah. what's real and what's photoshopped. Yeah, it's going to be interesting though to hear the audio because human voice is really hard to replicate. Right. Well, in the demo. Uh, at, at the end of the demo, one of the things that, um, and I and I apologize, I can't remember the name of the guy who who was demoing the, the software, but at the um, at the end of the demo, he talked about Adobe is going to have some kind of provisions in place, almost like watermarking. So there will be an underlying audio layer that you could pull out and determine whether this was real or not. Mm -hmm. To me, it's very similar to, I don't know if you've seen uh, any of the uh, cool stuff that some folks are doing, and I can't remember the name of it either, and I, and I wish I could have thought my head. I, 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 I messed around with it for just a little while, um, a couple of years ago, where you can take a piece of audio and run it into an oscillator and, and see the image behind it. So right. you, could actually, you could actually do that as the watermark and that would be the test to see yeah. if it was real or not is the image that would show up on the oscillator uh, right. analysis. You know, I guess it would be kind of neat because, I mean, this is really true. You could do stuff like uh, take Harry Truman's voice and put it in and then take his entire autobiography or biography and he reads it. And that's the yes. book on tape is Harry Truman actually reading his biography. Exactly. I mean, that's interesting stuff. And that's for entertainment purposes. I could see that being really cool things. And you're bringing history a little closer, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, there is, there, I don't know if there's any audio recordings of Abraham Lincoln or, you know, things like that. If there right. was just even cylinders and that was like enough to get his voice where it's him reading the Emancipation Proclamation or something right. like that. that. That's really amazing. I yes. mean, that would be educationally and just hi historically, that would be like, wow, that's really cool. I listened to the actual voice of him reading and that might have been what it sounded like when he read it, you know, blah, blah, blah. Exactly. Well, and, and what they're touting it as uh, is a way for, say, um, let's say you've got somebody who comes in and they have done an audio book. And as you go back through the recording, you realize there's a place they messed up. Well, if you have all that audio, then you could just fix it right there without exactly. having to bring them back in. Or in, the, in, the, in one of the Reddit threads, they had a really cool discussion about games. Look at look at the different games where oh, you could use you somebody's have, real voice. Yeah, and, yeah. you have you have, well, and you have characters who in games don't say anything, you know, and you get the little text on the screen because I mean, frankly, it costs a lot of money to bring in the person and do that. Well, if there were some kind of a a rights thing and say, hey, you have the right to use my voice even if I don't come right. in at a lower cost because well, you don't have to cost. pay. Yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. You know, That's all of a cool. sudden you have all these characters mm -hmm. in all these games talking, or you have uh, a character in a game. Maybe you're the character and the character, um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. You're playing a character and your character speaks to the other characters in your voice. Oh, that's even great. Like you I read mean, the first cool one. Is that? That? Yeah. Really cool. I mean, how that's cool pretty is amazing. That? That's pretty amazing. But, you know, and I can definitely see the scary side. I mean, you could yeah. literally have anybody saying anything. All you do is type it in and there it is. So it's Voco. It is Voco. Uh, you can follow more information about it. Hashtag V-O-C-O. -O. Cool. Well, there you go. Hey, we'll, we'll definitely talk about it more when it becomes available or maybe hits beta or, you know, it's more readily available. We'll definitely talk about it on the show yeah. and its implications in education, ed tech, the world, you know, my personal life and uh, anything else. I <laughs> no, not Sorry. my personal life. Hey, but uh, listen, on today's show, 
uh, we're going to back up a little bit and uh, get a, a great interview with Bruce Umstead, who's going to talk about the tech tech side of Fetsy and what the new tracks are there and what's going to happen yeah. at Fetsy. Uh, we're ramping up to Fetsy. It's two weeks away. Yeah. Uh, so in two weeks, you'll be able to catch us every day um, on the interwebs, on the internet, on the line. <laughs> and uh, we'll be able to catch us and listen to what's going on at Fetsy because we'll be right there in the thick of it, really right outside all the sessions. And we'll be letting you know what's going on. Have a lot of the session presenters sit down in the chairs and the attendees. So it'll be a lot of fun. But yeah, today's Bruce Umstead. We have a little music from Nick C. Cool. And then we have a great Google tip of the week. So, uh, hey, sit back, relax, and take a listen to uh, Bruce Umstead. We'll be back after this. Bruce, welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, would you uh, let us uh, let everybody know uh, who you are and where you are and kind of what you do, and then um, you can uh, jump straight into uh, what you're going to be doing at Fetsy. Great. My name is Bruce Umstead. I am managing partner of my own consulting firm. I call it Scale Up Education Partners, and I have for the last year I've been working with LRP Publications that runs the FETC show um, to to design a IT summit, a pre-summit on the future of IT and education, and I'll be serving as chairperson and also a facilitator for the um, the one session that it's a panel conversation on the return on instruction. That was a title that I came up with, and we'll be focusing on it from the IT side. I also serve as the IT track chairperson for FEC, FETC 2017, and that means that I uh, was able to pick the 30 present. Uh, presenters that will fill out the concurrent sessions and workshops that run on a Thursday and Friday of FETC 2017. So wow. that's what I've been doing. Man, it's a, it's You've just been a, busy uh, then. So. <laughs> yes, I have been busy. That's a lot of help. At, at the end of the day, we probably have about 50 people that I had to uh, tag to be either on panels or in presentations over the four days. Yeah. That's, I was just going to say, you're the one who approved the technology track. You, uh, that is no small order, man. <laughs> Not at all. Well, it's the first year that they've had the track. Um, it was funny. Uh, we got, you know, they have a solicitation or what I call a slush pile. We had like 94 come in, slotted for IT, and about half of them were really ed tech, so classroom focused. And so I had to kind of call out of uh, the remaining half, you know, the 30 presentations for the main track. It's a little bit challenging. Um, really had to rely on my network kind of come through there. But IT is becoming a more critical part of education and ed tech, you know, everything that happens behind the wall, uh, servers, routers, hubs, the cloud, yeah, sure. data security, data uh, privacy, all of those concerns typically typically belong to the IT leader in the building. And that's what the track and the pre-summit is all about, is focusing on helping IT leaders make better decisions and stay on top of uh, cutting-edge software and, and trends. That's well, that's and and like you said, and I've been to I've I've, I've been to Fetsy um, once before a couple of years ago, and like you said, um, so that's I mean that's actually a new focus for Fetsy because in the past it's been much more the the curriculum side, the ed tech side, and so to have a track that is specifically focused on the technology side, that's new. Yes, I've been in education tech for. Probably about 12 years. In 2007, I became the Michigan State Ed Tech Director, so working with the Michigan Department of Education. It was a first-time position there at the department, and we really didn't have a focus on the IT side. Uh, mostly, it was like I was hired to roll out an online 
high school graduation requirement. Mm -hmm. And we, mm -hmm. we had a lot of people in that space already. So I kind of gravitated more towards data systems, instructional data systems, and the things that actually made it easier for teachers to do their instruction, like really providing technology to the point of instruction, but allowing others to kind of focus on the pedagogical uh, and, um, and student-focused applications. Sure. And so this is just a natural role for me to kind of roll over to LRP Publications, which is a trade show organization that operates um, FETC 2017. And that's what I'm really excited about is working with a, a professional organization that's focused on trade shows and really bringing quality um, content, you know, and conference programming uh, to the ed tech space. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, before we delve too much further, have you have you been to Fetzi before? Getting involved oh, yes. with LRP? Okay, I was yeah, just back curious. in two, two thousand. Well, there was a different media company that was operating right, back in two thousand thirteen, right. but I showed a documentary film uh, that I co-produced called uh, "Look, I'm Learning." Oh, yeah. So we showed that down there. They were very generous and, and allowed us to uh, kind of preview it. Our national release was at. Uh, South by Southwest EDU. So we previewed it at uh, FETC back in 2013, and I've been attending every year since. Um, it's, a, it's a good conference, very teacher-focused um, on the mm -hmm. front end. So on the back end, it's nice to kind of build out some content for uh, what in the industry might be called business decision makers, or uh, I'm focused on more of the IT business decision makers. Yeah, well, and I think that's a, uh, from, from my experience, um, when I've been to Fetzi and just kind of what Fetzi has been up to this point, it really has been that teacher focus, although you definitely get some of the school technology folks who would come almost, you know, by proxy, as it were, um, but, you know, not have the content specifically aimed at them. So I, I'm that's very exciting. It really is. I, that's very cool that that you guys are devving out the content to help get some of those folks who might not normally even come to that conference because it's been so, you know, ed tech, teacher focused, now being able to bring those folks in there and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully get the two sides talking because <laughs> that doesn't right. always happen. <laughs> right. And, and really the conference is a platform, right? It connects um, one party with another party and adds value in the transaction. And what LRP really focuses on is getting the content uh, quality up so that those business decision makers know they're spending that time wisely. And why not? It's Orlando, right. you know, January In the winter. 24th through 27th. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I hail from uh, snowy Michigan. Like I just got out of there this week uh, for some family vacation. It was like seven below, and I, you know, seven, let's not say below, but it was seven degrees. And I shoveled six inches of snow off my driveway to get my car out of the out on the highway down to Detroit and catch my flight to Florida. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, so along that line, so now tell us about your presentation, your session. Um, give us some insight on what it's about and a little summary of, or a big summary of what uh, participants can look forward to. Right. So there's a, a future of IT summit. Uh, it's a it's it's a joint summit with the the leadership. Uh, summit that uh, Jennifer runs um, in, concurrently. So we'll share um, an opening keynote, which is around uh, return on instruction. Hmm. And I came up with that title because I'm a finance and strategy uh, person. I'm not really a technologist. Don't let anybody know that. But <laughs> what I really focus on is technology as a strategy for improving outcomes for students. And more and more, we're seeing people really they're able to back up the request for technology investment 
with impacts in the classroom. So what I call return on instruction. So uh, Eric will take the keynote and then I'll pick up there as a facilitator of a panel. And I have three people on that panel that I'll be talking with. One is uh, Beatrice Bernalez from Houston Independent School District. She really inspired the uh, panel and the idea of return on instruction. She's the instruction instructional technologist lead for Houston Independent School District, you know, 600,000 students, the largest urban uh, one-to-one, rolled it out to all their high schools after a successful pilot called Power Up. It was so successful, get this, guys, that the curriculum uh, unit at uh, at Houston picked it up. Now, when have you heard that, that the curriculum folks yeah. want to pick up and own um, a one-to-one initiative? Well, they did, and yeah. then, um, you know, crude prices dropped budget, uh, budget implica- implications, uh, made Houston really, uh, kind of retrench and, and, and ask questions. Should we be continuing this one-to-one initiative and Beatrice and her team were able to actually deliver not only cost, uh, savings, but also return on instruction. Like how were they impacting subpopulations, uh, according to the federal guidelines, but also, um, local, you know, looking at, um, how minorities are represented and their their how their um, performance academically had kind of improved, um, free and reduced lunch students. I actually did a tour with her back in 2014, and uh, it's just amazing to see the the kind of central support that the Houston Independent School District was providing the local schools, um, both in terms of choosing the type of curriculum. The one I went to was an all all girls high school focused on pre AP and AP mm. for college preparatory. And they were all one-to-one. They were using, uh, I think they were using the uh, South Florida framework for measuring uh, technology integration. And then they added a couple other pieces. So really helping that school drive um, their AP, pre-AP curriculum using one-to-one. So again, it wasn't your traditional one-to-one initiative where they're only measuring 21st century skills. That was actually an additive piece to it. They were they were measuring actual performance against AP and, and pre-AP coursework, and they had rolled that out to all of their high schools, and they were able to defend that investment and continued investment uh, because of those uh, instructional gains uh, based on subpops and um, you know free and reduced launch and all of that. So pretty exciting to see an urban district be able to sustain the largest uh, one-to-one initiative uh, in the, in the country. Um, yeah. So I'm excited to have Beatrice there. She's there all week. Uh, she plays there all week. I've got her in, <laughs> uh, not just this session, uh, that's on Tuesday, um, for the summit, but I also have her presenting for IMS global. Um, she's, she's big on interoperability standards, uh, doing her own breakout, um, concurrent session on return on instruction. So she's going to be able to pull up her numbers and go, you know, not line by line, but, you know, pretty deep into the numbers on what they use to kind of support that continued investment. That's pretty exciting. So I'm, I'm happy to have her on the panel. Yeah. And um, she really kind of inspired the whole concept of return on instruction. That's cool. cool. Yeah. Um, but so then the, I, I have a couple other people on the panel that, yeah. that get, get me pretty excited too. Jim Peterson, who hails out of uh, snowy Illinois, okay. uh, Bloomington, <laughs> uh-huh. da- downstate kind of. Uh, pretty close to Champaign, where the capital's at. Uh, he's been kind of building his own capacity at District 87 for an, a number of years uh, as a Lionai cloud. So actually offering a private cloud to Lionai schools. Um, it's a three-district uh, cooperative that kind of oper- operates the data centers. Uh, they've got redundancy, disaster recovery. They started building their own identity solution. 
and caught the eye of the uh, Gates Foundation, and they have a grant to kind of build what they're calling a K-12 Federation, uh, a group of, uh, of operators, whether that's the state level or regional level around the country, that are offering services. So it's kind of like, it's not really bartering, but it's kind of like bringing a group of operators together to offer different services. So they might offer disaster recovery and identity. Clark County um, Public Schools is part of that. They might offer uh, cybersecurity and some uh, advanced threat analytics. Uh, they've got the New York RICS as part of the founding group, and, and they provide um, data systems and some other uh, capacities. And then also Nebraska, they've got a coordinating council for their education service units. They're all like the founding members of this K-12 federation. And it's really uh, a way to kind of network uh, those districts and those regions and those state operators that are providing services at a much lower lower cost, whether it is identity or, um, like I said, cybersecurity, yeah. um, disaster recovery, other cloud services. So I'm pretty excited to have Jim on. And then we added um, Best Buy, which is also going to join. Hmm. And I, wow. I can't, I, I mean, there's a reason why you want to show up and I believe Best Buy is, <laughs> is the reason why you want to show up for our pre-conference. Uh, there might be, um, some leftover Santa goodies in, in store for everybody, but we've added uh, Best Buy to the panel to, to talk to us about how to make those, those smart buying decisions, yeah. uh, when you're looking at device and software. Sure. And so pretty excited about that. And we have, um, Janet Copenhaven from, She's from Henry County, Virginia, and she's been a longtime uh, IT professional and has had to, you know, slug it out in those budget sessions. So we wanted to add somebody who's, who's got more of a traditional approach to how, how she makes um, those types of buying decisions and investment recommendations and how she's always been able to support classroom initiatives uh, from a tech perspective. So I'm pretty excited about the panel. A lot to talk about, not that much time, but it's only one of, say, um, I think, five or six that day, that Tuesday that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about ecosystems. Uh, we're going to do an ecosystem slam. We've got um, Cliff Lloyd from the state of Tennessee to come and talk to us about device as a service. And then uh, we kind of end the day on a joint panel with procurement. So that's a invitation only free um, summit. And then I handle the, uh, the breakout for the IT professionals. So I'm pretty excited about uh, where that's going. And then we have a half day on the, on that Wednesday, the 25th. Right, man. Hey, you guys are going <clears> to <throat> get a pretty decently uh, full slate. Go ahead, man. What's really yes. cool is I think that uh, the conversations that you're going to start with this, that's the, that's really mm -hmm. the big impact here is, you know, bringing in the fact that, you know, the return on the investment of, of the, the returns are multiple tiered. It's not just about financial returns. It's also about, curriculum returns and uh, intellectual returns, the whole bit. I can't wait to see where the conversation leads, especially by the time you get to your final, you know, your, your final forum, it's going to be a pretty good day. It is. I, I like kicking off today with um, the focus on instruction and um, where I came up with a concept for the return on instruction was the idea as a finance major coming into K-12, I mean, being hired to roll out online learning, it just, it made sense, right? from a numbers perspective to start looking at online learning as a way to deliver at least those hard to fill classes or the hard mm -hmm. to staff classes. Yep. Uh, but I didn't really find any cost of capital uh, in K-12. I mean, I know some, some districts have to borrow money, you know, for technology. So maybe their bonds um, come with a certain cost, 
but mostly, at least in Michigan, with uh, the state of Michigan writing the check for most of the operations, if not all the operations, um, the the cost of cal- uh, capital um, calculation kind of went out the window. So I'm, I'm like, where's the sustainability conversation? Right. You know, right. Usually cost of capital says, so can we sustain this? Can we pay for what it costs to, to make this investment? And I, I thought that the lack of cost of capital or the low cost of capital might make it harder, right, to make those investment uh, decisions when it comes to technology and kind of keep things status quo. Mm-hmm. So I've been looking for ways to kind of uh, come up with uh, calculations that said, this is a no-brainer. We should be investing in technology. And when I was with the state of Michigan, we were able to actually get uh, some dedicated funding for technology for online assessment. And we really went about it. Like, how how do we spend this in a way that would leverage the these dollars beyond, you know, their own, their own worth, right? It was $50 million, 0.4% of the budget. How are you really going to move all students to online assessment um, with 0.4% of the budget? You you just don't go out and buy new computers, right? Right. And and boxes and wires, because, you know, at the end of the day, we, we tried that in Michigan and it's not sustainable. And so, we really started looking for ways to kind of leverage those dollars to get, you know, not just 10 X, but maybe, you know, 20 X, 30 X return. Um, and it's because we already knew districts were spending money on assessment. They're spending money on technology. What if we got them all spending it together? Mm-hmm. Right. And so we started to look at uh, incentivizing um, the, the spending of funds to get to where we wanted to go. So we were at zero percent tested online in Michigan in 2012 when they started the program. And by 2014, after running it four years, 95% of students in Michigan tested online. So zero to 95 in, in four years. But I wasn't too surprised that happened because when we started offering a little bit of the money as incentive, right, for, for district participation in the overall program, we offered a little bit of the money and got 94% of districts to say sign on the first year. So if you got 94% of districts saying, "Hey, we're going to put, we're going to collectively work together. We're going to collaborate. We're going to come up with the best means possible for moving online because we all want to do it, right? With just a little bit of investment, then um, I believe that was the that was the win. Getting yeah, everybody yes. to collaborate and agree. Right. That's the target. My frustration with the program, even though it was wildly successful, is that test scores went down mm. <laughs> Yeah, because we were focusing again on how many students can we test and not ha- how can we help those students perform sure. better. Sure. And- so I think that's really the challenge. And that's why I'm happy to be talking about return on instruction at FETC is that how can we make those investments wisely and leverage better student outcomes? Yeah, and that's got to be our bottom line going yeah. forward. All right, thanks, Bruce Umstead, and uh, you can catch more of Bruce at Fetzi, that's in Orlando, January 24th through the 27th, so just a couple of weeks away. Hopefully, we'll be able to talk to him live during our conference coverage. Remember, if you are going to be at Fetzi in Orlando, come look for us. Uh, We're going to be on the Level 2 Concourse, just outside of the um, session. Session. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> uh, and then just uh, letting you know what else we're doing. On February 1st, we're going to be at uh, SAU in Magnolia for a robotics exhibition. 
so uh, that's going to be pretty cool. Uh, different uh, schools from around the uh, area going to bring in their robotics teams and per, and uh, uh, put on an exhibition. Beep boop, so. pop, boop, beep. <laughs> okay, it's, I'll stop with the I'll stop with the background like noise. That. <laughs> it's kind of like that. <laughs> hey, yeah, you can check. So I catch more Bruce when we're there. It'll be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to Fetsy. I got my swim trunks out, and my suntan lotion. Go ahead to Orlando. Orlando. I wouldn't do that I, to anyone. I, I didn't need that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to listen to a good. little one of our favorite artists, Nick C. and the song of the week, Just Love Me. We'll be right back with Edutech Guys. When your eyes the gaze upon me your silhouette is near All I'll ask of you is To love me down, down, down With your mercy all around When your poetry is clear
Music from Nick C. and Just Love Me here on Edutech Guys Radio. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, we want to thank, you know, Nick C's been one of our favorite artists for quite some time. Oh, yeah, man. He's yeah. always been on the show, and we always want to thank him. And he always is, you know, one of our big, we're popular. We always get a lot of good follows when we post his stuff out, so it's really cool. Yeah. Hey, uh, so, you know what time it is? It is Google Tip of the Week. And this week, the Google Tip of the Week, I want to thank the uh, the the good doc for putting this out there for me. Um, what has happened is there's been some enhancements to the coursework in the Google Classroom API. And um, it released today. Cool. So a lot of developers use the Classroom API to integrate their applications with Google Classroom. And uh, last year, Google had announced the ability to for external applications to read and write assignments. So they got a lot of feedback about that. So today, they're making coursework endpoints more robust with ad with additional management capabilities. Um, applications can now create and update questions. Wow. They can modify and delete coursework. And they can add drive items and YouTube videos to coursework and student submissions inside the Classroom API, which is pretty amazing. That's now, awesome. One of the really cool ones is this one for me, former band director and a musician, uh, Flat Education, which is a collaborative music, music notation app. It already integrates with Classroom to let teachers quickly synchronize rosters and assignments and design music activities accessible to students with just one click from Google Classroom. So Flat has been piloting this new API functionality to create a more seamless integration. So uh, they say that the support of Google Drive and the Google Classroom API is simply great. All the music scores created with G Suite for education accounts on Flat being already Drive files, they can now directly add your Drive files into the assignments and student submissions. So that Flat company has already taken that ability to take a Drive item and put it into you know, a Google submission and inside uh, the Google assignments, which... That's pretty crazy. Oh, that's going to be awesome. And, you know, in, in, in for those of you that, that we just skyrocketed way over your head, uh, because I know it got pretty technical in there. Um, I think the focus is on the, on the last thing that you just talked about. You know, the, the, the really cool thing about this is you're going to have these other companies who are able to develop whatever their product is, or if they already have a product, be able to tie in their product directly into the classroom. So in the one, like you just said, you know, in that other program, you can create the, the music, the, the sheet music, and then put it directly into the assignment. Or exactly. Into the, into the, yeah, exactly. Now, hey, something that they added before, and we'll just touch on it is that, you know, they've added some updates where parents and guardians do, can uh, manage updates. What happens is classroom sends out daily and weekly summaries to guardians and stuff with API. That was a couple days back, but you know, it's one of their big pushes. Sure. And so it's, it's evident that Google is changing their APIs and modifying them pretty quickly at this point. So now it's been some major API changes in less than say 15 days. Yeah, well, and, and anytime you hear API in, in a conversation about technology, you're talking about taking one piece of software, generally speaking, and connecting it to another piece of software. And so with Google developing these APIs, these pathways into Google Classroom and out of, for that matter, I mean, it just that just means that's going to be so much more that folks are going to be able to do with Google Classroom and their students and whether it's the parents and guardians or whether it's assignments and tests. I mean, it's, it, it's amazing how... Pretty crazy cool. Yes, and how broad... Google is basically letting things get. Yeah. It's very cool. Opening up. Yep. Opening up. Really taking control in the education market. Yeah. Really. Yeah. So thanks, Google. 
<laughs> Thanks, Google. Thanks, Google. Hey, listen, it's been a great show. Man, it's been uh, awesome. Next week, I uh, hope to have another guest on. We'll start tweeting that out pretty soon. And we'll get back where you don't have to listen to us all the time. We'll also be pushing Fetzy pretty great because Fetzy's right around the corner. A lot of great stuff happening at Fetzy. New tracks uh, in tech, in special ed, all kinds of new stuff happening at Fetzy. Don't forget to catch us there starting on the 23rd, 24th. Yeah. Uh, every day we'll be broadcasting live from it so you can keep up with us and all the shenanigans happening in Orlando, Florida. Shenanigans. So, hey, we're going to get out of here. I'm Jeff Madlock. I'm David Henderson. We'll catch you next time. You've been listening to EduTech Guys Radio, radio.edutechguys.com. The opinions expressed on this site this program to those of participants is not intended to and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any specific educational entity, sponsored company, state, or government agency. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com forward slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com forward slash BE. Do you want to save time on prep work? Increase achievement for all student populations? Reliably meet tier one standards? You, you can, can do, do it, it all, all. But, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.